You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Amazing, amazing. I'm going to grab my whiteboard. Wish I had an automatic whiteboard that just came to me. Some of you are saying, Pastor, why don't you just put it on the screen? Because I like to draw. <laughs> no, no laughter there. All right. <clears throat> I figured you guys could make fun of my drawing if I said that. I'm going to actually pray before we get into this message because what I'm going to talk about today is um, something that affects us deeply. And I know the, and I don't, you guys don't ever hear me say this. Um, because I don't like to give credit to the enemy for anything. Um, and we're going to cover a parable. Uh, the parable, maybe you've heard of it, of the unforgiving or unmerciful servant. And um, it's about forgiveness. And the thing that I know to be true about unforgiveness in my own life, maybe you can identify with this, is that the enemy loves to hold us hostage in this position. And if we choose to stay in a place of unforgiveness, what's happening is that we're allowing the enemy to have a foothold in our life, okay? One of the most powerful things that we read in the Bible is in Ephesians, and Paul encourages us, don't let the sun go down on your anger, on your wrath, and that's person to person because it gives a foothold to the devil, all right, and so a lot of times what happens is that unforgiveness is not that simple because there are legitimate wounds. There are things that people have done and things that have happened to us. And sometimes we have to allow and step into a place of grace by faith to let the Holy Spirit help us in those areas. So we're going to talk all through that, but I'm going to pray. And what I want to pray is great grace upon you. Because I know in this situation what happens, and I'm speaking about myself, is that there have been times that the Holy Spirit has tried to deal with me with unforgiveness. And I have, there's a term we used to use growing up, bowed up. You know, bow up means like, mm-mm, right? Against the Holy Spirit because I'm protecting those because it has become something that I've agreed with. And the only way to let the grace of Jesus come in is to humble ourselves and to let some of that go, okay? So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the lover of our soul. And Father, there's not been one time, not in your word, not in any of our lives, that you have not dealt with us except by grace. God, you understand that we have ups and downs. You understand that we make mistakes. You understand that we have hard days you understand even the things that have happened to us that we couldn't prevent, nor did we cause. But God, in your grace, you care for us, you love us, and you heal us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us hearts to receive, ears to hear, eyes to see that wonderful grace that you're giving us through your word today. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's go ahead and just jump into this, if that's all right. You can open up your Bibles if you want a reference to Matthew 18, verse 21. So today we're going to look at, discuss three things about forgiveness. 
And I'm going to just try to hit this very calmly, very uh, much in depth as a teaching. And so um, just uh, take notes if you need to. Listen. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So the three things that we're going to discuss about forgiveness is this, is why we need to forgive, even when it's difficult. Why we need to forgive. How we forgive, which is the biggest part, because that's the most complicated part. How do we forgive? And then finally, what forgiveness does for us when we choose to forgive. God's plan and why he asks us to forgive, okay? And how it, how it restores us. So I want to take a look at this parable, and it's a very plain parable, meaning that it's, there's the hitting, the, the, when Jesus talked in parables, a lot of times the disciples had to go, well, what does he mean? <laughs> but in this case, actually, it's, it's a little different than uh, um, most of Jesus' parables. Is it starts off with a question. So everything that Jesus did was led by the Holy Spirit, but this one was almost an impromptu leading based off of a question that Peter asked him. And he looks at Jesus and he says, well, how many times must I forgive? Seven? And I love this, and I love Peter, actually, in the Bible, because Peter, I can identify with Peter. Peter's a try-hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, we want to try hard. Like, hey, Jesus, I'm trying here. And a lot of times we give Peter a bad knock because he's the guy who tries and sometimes fails, but he's trying, right? He's trying, and he goes, Jesus, how many times must I forgive? Seven? And he probably felt really good about the answer. I mean, I'm, I'm reading into that a little bit, but he's like, hey, you know, I heard you say earlier, turn the other cheek. That's twice. But like, hey, I'll up it to seven, Jesus. How about that? Gold star me, baby. You know? And Jesus just looks back at Peter and makes this statement. He says, no, Peter, um, not seven, but 70 times seven. And Peter's little balloon just deflated. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus just strung out this, like, unimaginable term of forgiveness, didn't he? Seventy times seven, like, uh, I mean, they didn't have phones back then, so they were like, okay, one, two, one, two. <clears throat> hey, y'all get some pen, some stones, all right, let's lay this out. They, that, that number's huge. And Jesus isn't speaking literally here, he's speaking figuratively. He's like, always forgive. Always forgive, and so too... To, to make a point of this conversation, this short conversation that he and Peter has, have, is that he gives a parable. And the parable goes like this. There was a master who had some servants. And one particular servant owed the master an outrageous sum of money. The Bible says, if you got the NIV, it says 10,000 bags of gold. That's really, if you, if you look at your little notes on your Bible, it's going to say 10,000 talents. Now, let me just give you um, a picture of this. One talent was worth 20 years' wages. All right? So let's just put that into perspective. That's an imaginable sum. Now, Jesus, again, is talking figuratively in this parable because how does somebody even get that amount of debt? It's impossible. Nobody in their right mind would lend that kind of money, right? That's not paybackable. That's not a word, but you can't pay that back. And so the master says, well, I need to collect my debt. And the, and the servant says, well, I can't pay it back. Please, please give me some mercy. And the, and the master says, well, listen, I'll take your family into servitude as a way of repaying the debt. And the, and the servant cries out, please, master, please, master, have mercy, falls at his feet, shows a deep act of contrition. 
And the Bible, it says, the parable goes on to say this, that the master has mercy on this and does something significant. He doesn't extend his line of credit. He doesn't extend payment terms. He doesn't tack it on at the end. He doesn't say, do five years of balloon payment. The Bible says he cancels the debt. That's significant. So this same servant goes on his way, and obviously he's got to be elated. This unimaginable debt had been forgiven by the master who has the authority to do with him as he wants. And then he encounters another friend who's also a servant. And this particular friend owes the servant who just received grace. The Bible says a hundred bags of silver or a hundred pieces of silver, which is a denarii, which is equal to one day's wage. Now, here's the thing is that if you've ever read this scripture before, this passage before, a lot of times in our thinking, we think that the sum that is owed to the servant is insignificant, but it's not. And this is important, too. Because Jesus could have said one denarii. He could have said one day's wages, but he said a hundred. Now, I don't know about you, but if anybody wants to give up three months wages, just raise your hand. Nobody wants that. That takes a toll. We feel that, right? And Jesus did that on purpose. But the attitude of this servant was so much different than the attitude of his master. What did he do? He goes and he demands repayment. And when his friend says, I can't repay you, please have mercy, the exact same thing that he did to his master, his reaction is 100% different. He takes, and the Bible says something really kind of odd and strange, but powerful, as he starts to choke him out. He grabs him up. He strangles him. He's like, you got to pay me. you got to pay me. Unfortunately for this servant is that other servants saw this go down and immediately knowing that what had been forgiven him by the master, go back to the master. And when the master hears it, he reinstates his debt. And he tells him, listen, I'm not just going to make this payable, but I'm going to put your family back into servitude until... The debt is paid back. And Jesus, and Jesus takes and makes the statement, this is what it will be like if you do not forgive. It's direct, it's pointed. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Apologize. Can I... um? Have an, Jeff, go across the street, make sure they're all right, please. Everything's fine. My daughter called me. I'm sorry. You guys are like, what's going on? No. She knows that I'm speaking right now. She's here. So. so let's get into this. This parable is simple to understand. But here's the questions that we have to ask ourselves is why is God asking us to forgive? Why does he ask us to forgive? And the answer is very simple and it's very powerful. We have been forgiven an outstanding debt. We have been forgiven an outstanding debt. And Jesus brings this into the full view for us who would hear. Because in the parable, he is the master and we are the servant who has been forgiven the debt. He wants Peter to understand, he wants us to understand that we are the one who has been forgiven the unimaginable sum of money. 
And the reason why is because it puts us into the nature of grace. The comparisons in this parable are not even close. And there's a reason for this. It's to show us that the grace that has been extended to us through Jesus Christ is greater than any grievance we might have to forgive. And that's challenging. And it requires us to look into grace. I thought and I thought about this, even as we sang this song, Amazing Grace. Some of you can identify with my story. Some of you have a different story. My story is like this. I was born into a Christian family. My parents were active in the church. I grew up in a church that loved Jesus and showed it. They loved people and they showed it. I grew up in a healthy setting. When I was three years old, I remember talking to my mom about Jesus when I was five years old. I think that I gave my life to Jesus. Not long after that, I got baptized. And all I ever knew was this. And then when I hear these stories about grace, sometimes I lose sight of what grace means. Because I don't feel like grace has been extended to me. Sometimes, if we're honest, we get into a perspective, if we're not careful, where we feel like we are good. And that we're good enough. One of the ways that God taught me grace was this. As I see life change that happens and I see God redeem people who seem in their own mind to be unredeemable. Who feel far, far, far and feel like their actions have separated them. That they're worthless, unlovable. When I see the love of God touch them. I am reminded of this, and then I will gently hear the Holy Spirit. That is saying to me, that is you too. See, grace is not measured based off of our experience with God. It is measured off of God's extent of His love for us. And if we don't have a relationship with grace, where we are really thinking about grace and really living in grace, what will happen is that we will begin to be callous and we will start to hold hostage things in our life and even begin to hold people hostage. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I hope it does. I hope we can all see, because the reason why we forgive is important, because we have been forgiven a great debt. And this is the nature of grace. We have to remind ourselves of this powerful truth that not, not only were our sins forgiven, but I really want you to think about this because there's no other example of this on earth. That while we hated God, God manifested Himself as us and came and presented Himself sacrificially in love to cover the debt that we deserve, that we owed, but he took it, he covered it, and this is grace, this is love. And friends, I want to tell you and I want to encourage you to pray the prayer to invite the grace of God as a fresh reminder in your life every day, because it is the foundation for forgiveness. If you do not have a fresh, vibrant relationship with grace in your life, it will be difficult for you to forgive when you are offended against. Jesus knew what he was saying. And again, and again, I say this in all gentleness because these aren't my words. I'm really sitting down with you today listening to this and processing this. 
And as I prepared for this in all honesty, in all honesty, the Lord was like, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to forgive. And these words are intended to provoke us, to to, to stimulate something inside of us, to poke something inside of us that brings us to the place of grace. And we got to come to that place. We have been forgiven much. But like grace, the understanding of grace, what we need is this. If grace is the starting block for forgiveness, then we have to understand that we have to come to it by faith. Too often I've talked to people in their pursuit to forgive where they think alone, and this is part of the equation, and I want to be very clear about how I communicate this today. Part of the, part of the, the process of forgiveness is making the decision to forgive. But that's not it alone. You have to step into faith to allow God to bring about the work of grace in your life. And that is, that is simple, a simple conversation. It says, God, I don't know how to forgive, but I know you have forgiven me. Help me to understand. Help me to see. Help me to know. All right? Everybody all right? Okay, so here's where we're going to go. We're going to get into the meat of this, all right? So how do we forgive? There's a couple of points I want to encourage you, if you can, if you will, write these down, okay? The first thing I talked about already, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we have to reflect upon the grace of Jesus regularly and really think about it, really think about it. Like really have a conversation with the Lord about his grace and how his grace has shown up in our life. Jesus, show me again. Make it fresh. What have you done for me? Show me what you, what you did for me. Show me what you did by coming to the earth. Show me what you did by becoming the sacrifice. Show me what you did through the resurrection. Show me what you did when you brought me back into the identity that you've given me. Show me what you did when you healed me. Show me what you did when you forgave me. Show me what you did when you put me into my calling. Show me what you did. Keep an active, vibrant relationship with grace. And another way that you can do that is thinking back on the times that people have forgiven you. It's funny because when I get stubborn about unforgiveness, I will infallibly be reminded of a time that I was forgiven. And I don't have to go that far back in my history. Maybe 24 hours. My wife loves to remind me. No, I'm just kidding. No, she she doesn't do that. But there's things that I've been forgiven. And it's funny. It's funny. Because, and I'm going to tell you a weird story, and hopefully this tracks with everybody. But there have been times, I don't know how many of you guys just mentally veg out when you're driving. Sometimes I do. And I will just be having conversations in my head, especially if nobody's in the car with me. And I'll just be, sometimes I'll be fighting with people in my head. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And it's almost without fail, like I'll do something stupid on the road, probably because I'm thinking about the wrong things and my attention's deviated. And I'll, I'll maybe try to get in a lane that I can't, I'll go, oh, and then all of a sudden I'll just go, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like all of a sudden that, that, that act of contrition just brings about this idea to say, Andy, you better settle down. You better settle down. 
See, the reality is this, is part of forgiveness and the way God's wired us and part of the way you learn to forgive is in the context of community. And it's a double-edged sword because community can offend you, but it can also heal you. And we have to understand that we're all imperfect, right? And we've all been forgiven something. See, this is the failure of this servant. And this is why Jesus brings out this nutty story, this parable, is that because literally he just got a debt canceled that was bigger than a legacy of his life. It wouldn't just affect him, but it affected his children, his grandchildren, so on and so forth. And then he immediately forgot it. He immediately forgot it. And one of the ways we don't forget is by keeping a relationship with grace. All right, the second thing is this, is that we have to think about the nature of the offense. All right, so this is where it starts to get a little bit hairy, okay? Because I sat and I thought about this, and I was like, the Lord kept bringing me back to this idea. Not all offenses are the same. Not all offenses are the same. I think there's basically three different types of offense. There's idle offense. An idle offense is this. Happens through a misunderstanding. Miscommunication. Maybe something that was said that wasn't understood. Idle or silly words, responses. I want to tell you that this idle offense has happened to me in the dumbest possible ways. I, I can come at somebody that, excited about something and their reaction, if their reaction is like put off, I'm like, well, I'm never going to talk to you about that again. And all of a sudden, there's a little bit of offense that slips in, right? These are the silly things, but they, left unchecked, they make a big impact, don't they? You stop sharing what God's put on your heart. You stop interacting with somebody. You, you kind of start to pick a little bit of a mental fight. You start picking apart the people that you're, you're thinking about that did that. You're, what, you're, you're putting it and you're attributing uh, the issue more on them. You guys know where I'm going? You see what I'm saying here? These are the idle offense. These are the things that just we subtly pick up. We could say it like this. This is like the day-to-day offense. Going back to the driving thing, if I see somebody driving crazy and they do something crazy and I have to move out of the way, immediately I, I build up a storyline about that person. Oh, they're, they're so dumb. Their life's probably a mess. Come on. I, all right, I'm just talking. All right, this is just me. All right, that's cool. I get it. And, and so these things happen to all of us. But the key with idle offense is not allowing our thoughts to get out of control. Not allowing our attitude to get out of control. To allow the Holy Spirit to rectify that quickly. To be quick to forgive. To be quick to humble. To be quick to make things right. The second place of offense, or it's what I just call, I just label it deeper. Deeper offense. And this can happen a number of ways. It can happen through disagreements. Honest disagreements. Where maybe we lack the emotional maturity to handle the disagreement. 
It can happen through broken relationships. Sometimes people go different ways or sometimes people stop interacting with you on a level that you need. And there's some heartache, there's some offense, but these things go a little deeper. They result in hurt feelings and in mental fights that just don't go away. They subtly begin to affect our identity. They begin to attack our identity. And these deeper things can become very powerful weapons that the enemy uses in our life if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to heal us. If we don't humble ourselves before the Lord. If we don't seek restoration. I'm going to show you something at the end of this message where Jesus ties in, in the same chapter in Matthew 18, the purpose of our reconciliation. But these deeper offenses can become big things. They can become deep wounds. And the final one is this. Deep wounds. That right there is the hardest pit of unforgiveness to get out of. What a deep wound is, is this. It can be a wound of victimization. Something that was done to you. When somebody did, somebody close to you did you wrong. Again, guys, listen, please hear me in the name of Jesus. Deep, deep grace. Deep grace. You could have walked through a divorce. You could walk through an accusation. You could have walked through a victimization, a molestation, or abuse. You could have walked through a bad childhood. You could have walked through all those things, and the enemy will twist and twist and twist in that to create a deep wound. And what this becomes is a stronghold. This becomes a stronghold. And I want to tell you, listen, the way a stronghold is built, because those people who have been victimized, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. But the second that we agree with the lie of the enemy, it gives him the room and all the material he needs to build up a wall that separates us from the love and the grace of Jesus. In this situation, and this is why, listen, I I labored over this. I want to tell you guys, listen, I labored over this. Because I could preach this message from just this simple position of saying, offense is offense is offense, but offense is not offense is not offense. There are different places. Sometimes the silliness of idle offense, we have to just change our attitude. We have to humble ourselves. We have to ask for forgiveness and restoration. Deeper offense, we need to let the Holy Spirit come in and do a work. Maybe we need to sit down with somebody and and have an honest conversation with them to say, listen, what you said hurt me, and I I let it hurt me, and I probably did some things also. But when we come to deep wounds, the only way that these get cleaned out, and the first step is this, is by allowing the Holy Spirit to break the stronghold. And he will. And he will. Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He is powerful to do it. He's the only one who can do it. And if you come 
and say, God, I'm going to just lay this before your feet. It takes a lot of boldness and a lot of courage. Today, we're going to close in communion. And I believe this is going to be a time of healing. It's not that you've got to let the world know what happened to you, but you know and God knows. And if you're saying, listen, I can't hold this stronghold up anymore. I can't. I can't. I can't sustain this. This has shaped my identity. This has begun to, to fix me. It's interrupted my relationships. It's, in, it's interrupted the way that I see grace and I give grace. I see love and I give love. Then I want to tell you that there is healing in the name of Jesus. I promise you. The Lord will heal you. He will heal you and begin to restore you. So I want to talk about these because all of these can be dangerous because what they do is they build a spirit of offense in us. Proverbs 18, 19 says this, a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. This is so, so important is that when these things happen, the, the, the plan of the enemy is to build us into a barricaded wall. How do we know that? As we begin to separate ourselves from people, we begin to become guarded. We're easily offended. We think through the lens of offense. We're constantly evaluating what people are saying. We think that people are saying things that they're not saying. That's what a spirit of offense will do. So we must ask God for great grace. Because unforgiveness will pull on us emotionally. And there are emotional wounds that God has to heal in order for us to forgive. I hope you see that. And when wounds go very deep, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help break down those things, those strongholds, and to bring the healing that only He can bring that restores our soul. That restores our soul. And let me stress this just one more time in great grace that if you've been victimized in any way, it is not your fault. You did not deserve it. Well, pastor, why did it happen? I can't tell you that. Maybe because we live in a fallen world. Maybe because there's a whole history of broken people. What I can tell you is this, is that I am sorry it happened, but I know the one who can heal you. What I want to say to you also is that here, you're in a safe place, and part of what we do at Freedom Christian Fellowship is seeing those, the key word is captive. Captive is somebody who is taken hostage, set free. So you're not in the wrong place. You're in the right place because we know the one who sets the captive free. All right, let's keep rolling. We're going to change gears just a little bit. We're going to keep walking through these things. How do we forgive? Another thing that we have to do is we have to ask the Lord if, there's, if we had any part to play in the offense. Did we have any part to play in the offense? And I'm talking about maybe these, these areas over here, okay? And some of these things... This is a hard question to ask sometimes to ourselves to say, what did we do to help build this offense? But we have to be honest and we have to have great grace in the situation. But we have to ask ourselves, hey, did I poke the bear at all? 
Did I stir the pot? Did I let words fly? Did I, did I scoot over to a confidant after I got offended by some person and look for somebody to co-sign on my offense? You guys know what I'm saying? Did I let idle words come out? Did something pop up in a conversation about somebody I'm offended with and I just kind of let things fly? Well, God bless their heart. I'm not going to say anything but blah, 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 blah. Did I stoke something on Facebook? I am working on a class action suit against Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) Emotional distress. You guys, listen, I know that sometimes this is difficult to hear, but part of this involves us. If we've gotten into these categories where idle offense, and again, you you have to see it through Jesus' perspective, is that if we had any part to play in it, we have to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. But if we don't see that, if all we see is the person, all we see is the fault, sometimes we get this messed up perspective. That's why Jesus said, look, you look at the speck in somebody else's eye, but you missed the log in your eye, man. Why? Because it's not easy for us to see the stuff that is close to us. Can I stress the idea of having Christian community where people love you and can actually say, hey, yeah, man, you're you're, you're kind of getting a little bit out of control. And I don't say that to dog you, but I say that because I love you and that it's going to interrupt the grace of Jesus in your life and it's going to interrupt your calling. But if you just humble yourself, God's going to restore you. We have to ask for that. How do we forgive? The next thing is this, is that we have to seek peaceful resolution first. I understand that's not always possible. I've had situations in my life where there's been closed doors with people who I've had unforgiveness with. And even if you have a closed door, that doesn't mean that you can't begin the process of a resolution. To have a peaceful resolution, you have to come humbly and you have to come in love, the love of Christ. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Part of this deals with the interaction that we have with one another inside the body of Christ. And it also has an application for outside, for people who maybe don't have the same faith value that we have. But we have to understand this, is that in order to have peaceful resolution, God is asking us to take basically the high road. And to trust His humility and to trust His love. To come to people, maybe who have wronged us, who have done us wrong, and present the opportunity for restoration and resolution. We have to come with restoration in mind. You're not just cleaning your conscience. You're not just trying to make yourself feel better. But what you're doing, especially in the context of the fellowship of the church, is that you are seeking to restore relationship. Ephesians 4, a little further down, 31 and 32, says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. All right, now, if any of your feathers have gotten ruffled, don't worry, this next point might be for you, okay? 
Forgiveness, how do we forgive? Forgiveness doesn't mean that you roll over and play dead. Some of you guys, thanks, Pastor. You got there. Sometimes we think in the Christian world that forgiveness means, hey, everything's washed away and everything's okay. Like just, and sometimes it goes that way. I'm going to be real honest with you. You guys okay? Everybody all right? All right, because I feel, all right. Here's the thing, is that there is a need for boundaries in relationships, especially relationships that are one-sided. And boundaries need to be created to restore healing and relationship. What do I mean by that? And this is a hard thing, especially if you're not conflict-oriented. How do you do this? Is that first you have to come with the right attitude, and you have to put your defenses, your, your, your fists down your attack mode down, okay? But you might have to go to somebody that you're in relationship with who is continually violating and offending you over and over again and have a deep and meaningful conversation with them. And it can be one-sided. What does that look like? I've had to do this with... with (sighs) People that are very close to me. Very close to me. And I sat down and I said, listen, I love you. I want relationship with you, but we will not interact on this topic anymore. This topic is off limit because that particular topic brought offense into our relationship. If you can't do that, then our conversations will be limited. I still love you. You may have to look at somebody and say, you will not use these words. We will not use these words in our conversation anymore. These words will not come into our conversation. You may have to look at somebody and say, we will not go to this place again. I'm not talking about a physical place, but I'm talking about a place in your relationship. Whether it's an elevated uh, argument, whether it's an abusive type of emotional behavior, but you might have to draw some boundaries in that. Forgiveness does not mean roll over and become a doormat. That is not what forgiveness is. And setting a boundary is an incredibly healthy thing. Setting a boundary is an incredibly powerful thing that brings about the act of forgiveness. You might have to set a boundary for yourself. You might have to say, I'm not going to mentally let myself go to this place. I'm not going to get onto this place and talk to people about this conversation. Can I just, if we just simply applied this, I know I'm harping on Facebook, but if we just simply applied this to our conversations about Facebook, it would change the nature of our relationships. Oh boy, be careful, Pastor. You don't need to be heard that much. And I want to tell you that if your opinion is that important, then you need to have it with a real live person. The context, <laughs> we're all guilty of it. All right, I don't really want to hear any amens, okay? We, listen. 
The context of Christian community is not online. That doesn't mean that Facebook can't be a powerful tool. That doesn't mean that Facebook can't be an ev- a tool of evangelism. But if Facebook is becoming an argument zone for you, if Facebook is becoming a contentious place, especially among believers because you're talking about things that you can't control but you simply have an opinion on, then stop! Are you mad, Pastor? Yeah. I'm angry. Because Jesus gets angry about that. Because he protects the unity of the believers. And when we act in a way that doesn't reflect the love and the grace of Jesus, and we choose to get in silly arguments, and we don't set boundaries, what happens is that we are showing the world that the love that Jesus gave us, that unites us, isn't really working. I said I wasn't going to get excited, and I lied, and I'm sorry. All right. Last one, don't give into a pattern of unforgiveness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for coming back every week. (laughs) I just thought about that. Thinking, whoa, man, would I listen to me? Oh, okay. So unforgiveness breeds hostility, and hostility will grow if it is left unchecked. And we have to pay attention to what we're mentally participating in. So sometimes we just get into a pattern of unforgiveness. And we become disagreeable for no reason. That's happened to me. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Here's what that means. It means this. Spiritual maturity sometimes looks like Letting water roll off your back. To walk through an offense and say, you know what, I'm just not going to be offended. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to let a pattern of, of offense be built in me. I'm going to choose just to be, let things go sometimes. Especially when it falls under these idle things. These things that are just walking by you in the course of life. Let's talk about why we forgive. And then we're going to celebrate communion together and come into the grace of Jesus to Let him do the work that heals us and makes us whole. Here's why we forgive. It realigns us with grace. If unforgiveness hinders our ability to see God's grace, then forgiveness restores it. If unforgiveness hinders our ability to see God's grace, then forgiveness restores it. And grace is where you want to be. Grace is where you want to live. Grace is where you want to dwell. It realigns us with grace. There have been times that God has spoken to me and said, Andy, unclench your fists. Put down your weapons. I'm not asking you to fight. Come unto grace. Come into grace. Here's what forgiveness does for us. It puts us back into the care of God. And I want to tell you something, a lot of times in, in the nature of unforgiveness and offense, what happens is that we try to figure it out. We try to work it out. And we, we fail to realize that there's one who loves us, who, who desires to care for us, to take care of us. In the times that I have seen God's care in my life, in the area of relationships, especially where there's been a measure of offense, what I've seen is that God's justice 
is so much stronger than my ability to defend myself. (sighs) I know that's not easy. I know people go, look, but when? You know, I mean, goodness, I've said that, and I understand, and I really do. But here's what I want to tell you is that God cares. He doesn't just care, but he will defend you, and he will restore and there have been situations in my life where I have had so many conversations and I've wrestled with so many thoughts and I've tried to work something out. And it's like every time the Lord said, stop, 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 trust me. And I've had to wage warfare in my mind to say, God, how long, how long, how long? And God said, trust me. And the reason why he asked me to trust him is this, is because his justice is restorative and powerful. And when His justice comes in, and I'm speaking this prophetically in faith over every one of you, it wipes away the pain of what you've been walking through. You don't see that. You don't know that right now, but I promise you, it does. His justice is complete. We need to be in the care of God. The last thing is this, what forgiveness does for us is it's a powerful reminder of restoration. This is where I want to bring us to. In Matthew 18, this is right before the parable of the unforgiving servant, 15 through 20. I'm going to read 15, and then I'm going to drop down to 18. In your Bible, it's probably captioned under something like offense in the church which is, you could actually take, because that's not actually part of the Bible, that's just some scholar's interpretation. You could black that out if you wanted to, because it's incorrect. So, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Because 15 through, through 17 talks about how we deal with people who are sending the church, but you're, you're, you're losing the forest through the woods here. It says, verse 15, if a brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have, you have won them over. And then it goes on and says a bunch of other things finally to the place where they don't want to hear you. You kick them out. Boom. Oh. Thank you, Jesus, for that blueprint. We lost it. Verse 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them. By my Father in heaven, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Jesus isn't talking about correction in the church. He's talking about protecting the unity of the church. And he's looking at us and he's saying, this is why we walk in forgiveness. And this is what forgiveness does, is it restores relationship. And when there's been an offense... It is better to head it off and to take care of it, especially if it comes in one of these two areas where you can deal with it and you can ask the Lord to move and you can have a conversation and grace can flow. Why? Because we have been created to be together and when we come together in the name of Jesus, God moves. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see what Jesus said? He said, listen, whenever you pray, you guys, plural, pray, I'm there. 
If two of you on earth agree about any one thing, and they ask for it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. If where there are two or three gathered in my name, I will be there with them. He doesn't say, when you, when you got it right, when you're good, when you've justified everything and you're sitting alone, he said, no, the, the powerful move of God that happens, happens in the context of community. And Jesus is aggressively protecting the unity of the believers and saying, listen, restoration should always be the key. Because no matter what happened, no matter what I did to Joseph, no matter what I said, if he could come to me in grace, we are stronger together than if we're separated. And I want to tell you something that's amazing, just simply amazing. Oh, and I love this, and I love, I love the word. Is that I and you can only do what you've been called to do in the context of community. You can't do it alone. That's why you're here today. Because you can't worship God in your house alone. And get the same impact. Some of you say, well, pastor, I worship God in my house every day. Good. But it's not like being in the fellowship of believers. It's not like being encouraged and being able to be prayed for, loved, and, 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 and grace to flow. You can try to lay hands on yourself. I mean, I've done it before. But I want to tell you what's powerful is that when somebody loves you, because we're all imperfect. We are all imperfect. We are all imperfect. Woo, we all blow it. We all make mistakes. It's that double-edged sword again, isn't it? That God puts us in community, but man, sometimes community offends us, doesn't it? Where we just simply have to say, God, it is so much better to be in the unity of the saints than it is to be broken in a way. So please deal with offense in the heart and let your grace come. Amen. I can have the ushers come up. Oh, Justin, come on up. Team, please. Today, as we come before the table, this is our altar. This is our time before the Lord. I'm going to ask you not to take communion and, and flee out the door. Give us five more minutes. It's important. Take communion. I'll come up after communion when we're done, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll bless you guys, and we'll leave, and we'll go eat lunch. Hallelujah. But today, I, wanna, I want us to just to, to, to take some time. And as we come to the table, we're reminded of the grace that Jesus extended us. It goes back to that parable, that debt, that debt that we held, that Jesus forgave. His love that was shown. We're reminded of this great grace. There's been some idle offense where we just need to say, God, I'm, I'm really just sorry. I let some things slip in. I took offense to certain things. Would you just heal my heart? Would you just heal my heart? Would you help me to forgive? Forgiveness isn't passive, it's active. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Oh, that's super uncomfortable, isn't it? Super important. 
Maybe there's been something deep where you just say, Holy Spirit, I need you to, to do a deep work in me. I need you to, I need you to heal this wound. There have been relationships that... There have been people that left this church that hurt me. I'm being honest as a pastor to you guys. Now, if, you, if God moves you on, feel liberty to go. All right? I don't, don't anybody stay because of my emotional well-being. <laughs> I realized as I it came out of my mouth, I might have just put a little bit of condemnation on somebody. Don't know. This place has always been a place of freedom where if God moves you, he moves you, and we bless you. That's always been Pastor Marla's attitude and, and my attitude. It really is. But sometimes the enemy slips in and goes, hmm, they don't like you. Hmm, you're not good at what you do. Come on, isn't that silly, right? But we all face that, don't we? And it begins to just, just kind of rake against our identity a little bit. And I've had to go, not today, Satan. <laughs> Sorry. I just want to make you guys laugh a little bit. Um, and I had to go and I had to say, God, I'm, I'm really sorry. These lies that I've started to cave into, I'm, I'm really sorry, God. That's actually me sinning against you, and I'm sorry. Forgive me. I never measure my identity against somebody else. It's only against you. That's not easy, God, but that's my goal. I've had to go back to these people and maintain relationship with them. Say, so you know what? Just because you don't come here doesn't mean you're not a friend. That's not kingdom attitude, is it? You're not at my church, so goodbye. Nope. These things, these things hurt still, though, if we're honest. And we need to let God do a work. We need to let grace come in. We do. But I want to talk to you today, if this is you. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you that whatever this wound was, it's not who you are. I can't say it any louder or any clearer. You didn't deserve it. But it breeds offense. And it skews our relationships if we're honest. And it hurts us and it keeps rewounding and rewounding. And the only place where you can have healing is at the footsteps of grace. Part of the idea behind Jesus saying that he took and suffered the wounds on his body is because he, he took the affliction. That doesn't just provide for our physical healing. It also provides for our emotional healing. Is that he took the affliction. And that idea is this, is that those stripes of wrath that were put against him were the wrath that were against you and I because of sin. Now, in this case, the sin that's happening isn't the sin that you committed, but the sin against you. But it still hurts and it still stings, and Jesus still took it. And I know it seems maybe like a distant thought that God could heal you from that, that deep wound, but I promise you that He can. And I promise you that He desires to. And I promise you that He loves you. And I promise you that He wants to bear it and take it off of you. And all it requires of you is to say, God, will you help me? Will you help me? Let's stand to our feet. If I could have just dim the lights. Jeff, please.
Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. God, every one of us, these wounds of unforgiveness are real. They're painful sometimes. But God, you're greater. I'm going to need some ministry people up here. So if you're on the ministry team and you can, come up. You can grab your communion. Come on, Riley. Charlotte, y'all come on up. Marla, if you're able, if you want to. Keith, Carol, if you guys can. Rodney, Pam. Take your communion. Hmm. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. And this morning, as you take communion and you come in and you say, look, that's, that's me. Here's what I'm telling you. An extent of God's grace is that that can be a moment between you and the Lord. But if you need somebody to join with you, to, to love you, to encourage you, to pray over you, to, to just release the grace of Jesus in agreement with you, then I want to encourage you to come up to one of our ministry teams and just receive prayer. And let's just let the Holy Spirit move. And today, you listen, you may say, Pastor, this is a good message, but I'm not in that place. And then praise the Lord. Let grace flow. Let grace flow. And I'm going to ask you and invite you, if that's you, just to intercede for the folks that maybe are walking through this. And say, God, just let your healing and your grace and forgiveness come. Jesus, it's all through you that we're, this is even a conversation that we can have that we can let the vulnerability of our heart and say, God, these are the things that have hurt us, that people have done, that people have said, the things that have happened to us. And Jesus, we need your grace. Thank you for covering our wounds for us. And by faith today, as we come to the table, we're stepping into that grace and we're saying, let healing come. Let forgiveness come. Let identity be restored. Let wounds be healed. No longer to torment anybody. No longer to just pivot the lies of the enemy. Let strongholds be broken. Let future and life come. Let restoration of relationship come in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you come to the table now?